Warning, this show has been known to cause certain side effects in listeners and participants alike. Symptoms include a positive outlook on life, wanting to try new things, and a renewed faith in humanity. Enjoy at your own risk. Hey there, and welcome to the I Like to Like Things podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and thanks for joining me. I don't think I have to tell you that the world can be a dark and scary place for us all. And I'm here to help you get through the miasma of that negativity one episode at a time. To accomplish this, I have a guest tell me about their favorite thing, and we get to share in their enthusiasm. The catch is, I'm not already a fan of their thing. However, if you didn't already know, it's easy to like something new as long as you have an excited person explaining why it's great. And so this podcast and all its potential positive feelings is born from that. So join me and my guest in beating back the darkness of the world by learning something new and learning to enjoy the little things. And for today's episode, we have Kate Walinga from the Ignorance Was Bliss podcast. Kate, how are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. Kate, can you tell everyone a little bit about your podcast? Sure. I am a former forensic psychologist and crisis clinician. I've been on a disability since 2014. I broke my back. And a little over two years ago, I was listening to podcasts and they kept asking questions that I kind of knew the answers to. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, what does it mean to be not guilty by reason of insanity? Or what is schizophrenia? Or, you know, whatever. And I would find myself answering. Except it wasn't all that useful. Because I was sitting on my couch alone. (laughs) You know, six months after they'd recorded. Right. So I finally decided I'm going to start my own show. And I guess I I wasn't really sure what what this was going to be. I think I, I thought it was going to be pretty true crime and fairly luxury narrative mm-hmm. in nature. And instead, mm-hmm. over time, so I'm actually tonight dropping episode number 234. And Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's a big whole pile. And, um, <laughs> and it, has, it has evolved from being very true crime to being much more, just talk to me, just tell me your story. That That's mm-hmm. really what I miss about my job. And so sometimes I still do, you know, end up covering true crime cases in some way. And that's cool. That's mm-hmm. fun. But there's a lot of times where I'm just talking to podcasters or people with depression. Um, the episode that's going out tonight is with a woman who is blind. So, you know, it's sort of any, you know, like everybody has their story and I just want to, I just like talking to people. Oh, I mean, I 100% sympathize with that. I just enjoy a good conversation. (laughs) I totally get what you're saying. Well, that is incredibly impressive, too. And that episode count, I am... I'm impressed. That's that's uh, that's dedication. I really tip my hat to you. That's amazing. And um, and so you've been doing that for for so 248 episodes. How many years have you been doing that? Then that comes out to. I just I just rolled past my second anniversary. I drop like wow. Sometimes two, sometimes three or four episodes in a week. It you know I don't follow a release schedule. I I. I, because I'm home on disability, I, I have the time. And so mm-hmm. if I'm feeling good and I'm interested and I'm up for it, then I come down and I throw an episode together. 
And if I'm not feeling well, no, no worries. You know, it, it's my hobby. You are an absolute machine. That is, that is impressive. <laughs> that is, I, wow. People that, have said that, that, is, that before. I, yeah, 27 episodes a week is usually the estimate. <laughs> that's incredible. That is, that output is, is, is incredibly impressive. Wow. Well, but see, the, the thing is, I, ha I have to uh, keep a heavy episode output because I talk to people a lot. Initially, mm -hmm. it was a case of like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to schedule as many different conversations as will talk to me because who knows when the next one will come. And then over time, it just became, I really like doing this. And so if huh, I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to talk to somebody two, three, four, five days a week, and I've had spans where it's like, oh, hey, look what I did to myself every day for the next 15 days. I'm talking to somebody new. And if I'm going to do that, then I have to have the output on the other end. Right. I mean, it makes it's kind of one of those things. Well, if I'm going to be doing this, I might as well be recording it. <laughs> right? right. <laughs> if you're going to be talking, I absolutely understand. Yeah, my co-host for the response episodes, of course, is my wife Elise. And uh, for all my Patreon content, I I do it uh, I do it with my my oldest daughter, who's nine. Um, we we talk about different things that we've been doing during the week. So, yeah, it's. Uh, it's all about those great, great conversations, right? I mean, that's really what it boils down to for podcasting. Well, gosh, you're someone after my own heart for sure. I, I, I absolutely get your mentality. I don't, I, I don't have your, your work ethic though. <laughs> One episode a week is my, is my max. I, uh, I am impressed. Kate, oh, we are here to talk about your thing as well, uh, and I'm very interested to hear about it. So, Kate, what is your Thing. My thing is knitting. Real knitting. Yeah, tell us all about your passion. I am kind. I am doing it right now. Oh, no way! <laughs> really? Um, uh, <laughs> you know, I could prove it if we were. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. No. I, I knit most of the time that I'm recording. I love that. That's. I absolutely love that you're knitting right now. That makes me so happy. So when did you start? Like when, what was like the genesis of your, of this? Well, I learned as a child how to crochet from my great grandmother. Okay, I love that. Um, I think mostly she was looking to get me out of her hair <laughs> and to give me something to do. That's, that's fantastic. And you know, yes. so she, being who she is, uh, taught me, or who she was rather, taught me how to make like coasters and can cozies, beer cozies. Really? Okay, I love that. Those were the two things that I learned how to knit, or to crochet, mm -hmm. rather. And that's it. Like, that's kind of, like, I learned a whole lot of other arts and crafts and that kind of thing as a kid growing mm -hmm. up. As far, like, I never learned how to knit. And then when I was, oh, goodness, I think 26, she started to get sick. And, you know, in the old age mm -hmm. sick, you know, so we kind of knew she wasn't going to get mm -hmm. better again. And I had this moment of deciding, like, is there anything that I want to learn from her one-on-one? -on -one? Because if I'm going right. to do it, I have to do it right now. What a great thought to have. That's that's so smart. Yes. And so my daughter was, my oldest daughter was about three mm -hmm. at the time. So I went to the dollar store and I bought a whole bunch of really cheap plastic toys. And one of those, like, plastic uh, tablecloths. Mm -hmm. 
and packed packed her up, packed all the stuff up, and drove to upstate New York, which is where I'm from originally. I now live in Salem, Massachusetts, but drove to New York and spread the tablecloth on the floor, dumped the kid down with all of these new toys and sat down with my great-grandmother and she taught me the very basics how to knit and how to purl. Did did it come naturally to you from having a crochet background? Because I, I know that they're similar but not the same. Um, did it was it was the basics of crochet, did that leave into knitting? Lead into knitting, I mean I mean it helped that I learned both from the same person. Oh, interesting. Okay. That would make sense, yes. And and I'll have I have a story about this in a moment but but yes so the simple answer is yes that already knowing a little bit about fiber arts mm -hmm. and yarn work made it a little bit easier for me although she did the initial cast on and that you know I just I picked out a color of yarn I liked and a pair of cheap aluminum knitting needles and that's all that's what we went with she died not too too much later maybe a year later and so over the course of the next year or so when I had time at the time I was in grad school mm -hmm. I had my second child not very long after this so like a lot going on and I would just I would pick it up when I thought to you know to, to kind of remember how to do this thing and then I had a year where I was I was home full-time by choice with my son when he was from about a year to two years old and I decided to get real big into the sort of Oh, stay home mom like we went to the, the bouncy house gym you know and I made a lot more food that I make now <laughs> and I was going to do knitting like I was going to be all earthy crunchy right <laughs> right all the activities right all the activities yeah yeah, yeah. You know. so my grandmother had died and so I I was reaching up first of all I needed to know how do I finish this I got to the end of this ball of yarn it was going to be a scarf and then I just kind of kept going until I reached the end of the ball of yarn and then I was like oh look I have a strip that's the right length for the center of a blanket cool I'll just keep making different rectangles and squares and I'll eventually stitch them all together I don't know how to bind off this rectangle scarf like thing that I'm holding and so I found on on TV this is this was kind of before YouTube was much of a thing mm -hmm. cable TV had a like a DIY network or HGTV or one of those I don't remember big big fan of both of those yeah I, I watch DIY network often for different ideas for my projects too yeah so it's a great resource totally understand yeah and there's so there's a woman named Vicki Howell that had a TV show about knitting really a half an hour like how to and I was like perfect and so I watched it and I learned how to how to cast off which is you know what it's called the bind off the cast off to, to be able to kind of get this project off of these knitting needles and get a new one on just to cast on the next one and so I started watching this to learn new tricks and tips and whatever not too far in so they had this particular camera angle that was as though the camera was mounted to the ceiling directly over the person so you're like standing over them uh -huh. so that you can see directly onto what they're doing right I, I don't remember the name of the, it was a, it was actually a man that was on her show that day and I don't remember his name but he I was watching him knit and I had to get up and grab the remote and pause it because I was like wait I don't I don't knit like that like there's something weird going on that I don't I don't do quite like that hmm okay so I went online and found a, a like an online message board forum 
and asked around there and everybody immediately was you know they asked me a couple questions and they're like oh well obviously you knit what's called continental style and he knits english style so there's different styles of knitting but wait there's more oh wow (laughs) because they're asking me these questions about it and i'm like no i mean yes but no like no for sure he was so okay so a lot of times people who crochet learn how to do combination style or i'm sorry continental style which is basically where you hold the active yarn in your left hand and your right hand just kind of does the thing over and over and over again but people who are new to knitting and new to fiber fiber arts altogether will will do what's sometimes called western style or english style which is you you kind of let go of the yarn in between each stitch okay and wrap it around the active needle and and pull it through so it's they're they're called pickers or throwers are sort of the the jargon name for it okay (laughs) that if you are if you are a a picker you're just kind of constantly moving the yarn through and you're you're using the your your dominant hand usually your right hand to pick the yarn through the loops and keep going if you are a thrower you put the needle through you throw the yarn or wrap the yarn around that needle and pull it and let go and then go on to the next stitch and repeat right so they're i mean they're they're pretty similar it's just a matter of mechanics Mm -hmm. but people are asking me and so so it turns out that like something like 45 to 50 percent of the world knits each of these styles so there's mm-hmm. some differences in like uh norway and there's some differences in japan and there's some other little bits and places here but but for the most part those are the main styles like by far okay and people are asking me questions to try to figure out like what is it that is different about what this guy's doing what i'm doing and it turns out that i was taught by my great grandmother this really bizarre almost not freakish but <laughs> not common at all okay <laughs> style called combination knitting okay which basically would mean i kind of was knitting backwards so like instead of going through the front of each stitch i was going through the back of each stitch oh okay to make the to form it and it made like you wouldn't be able to tell if you're holding a finished object you wouldn't be able to tell but there were certain techniques that i wouldn't be able to do and i remember learning this and finally having the penny drop and and literally saying out loud thanks grandma like one last time you gotta mess with me right like <laughs> oh grandmas they're 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 wily in their ways so so you were uh, right so so but you wouldn't be so like you said you wouldn't be able to tell on a finished product whether it was done a certain way then right mm-hmm. so the i heard you say a few things in there um that i because i have uh, my wife and my daughters they crochet so i've seen that happen i nobody in my family knits at all from grandparents great-grandparents down i've never seen anyone knit um, and so you said something called you said cast on. So what? what how is that? Mm-hmm. So that's the, I would assume that would be the beginning of it, right? Yeah. So with crocheting, you're making one stitch at a time okay. from the start. And let's say you want to make a scarf. Okay. So the first, you, you know, your first row of a of a crochet project is to 
make enough stitches so that it as as wide as you want the, the scarf to be but at any given time and this is speaking in generalities i know but for simplicity's sake any given time you basically only have one live stitch you only have one loop okay and so if somebody drops their crochet hook and somebody else grabs that yarn and pulls the whole project is gone right? i don't <laughs> i don't like that that sounds horrible <laughs> it's terrifying yeah yeah and with knitting, it's with two. Okay. Knitting is with two needles instead of just the one crochet hook. And what you do with knitting is you you know ahead of time, this is how many stitches it's going to be. And you put those onto one needle. Oh. And then okay. you use the other needle to go through and work your way down those so that you, you're effectively transferring all of the stitches from one needle onto the other one. And then you turn it swap needles and repeat a thousand times so you said scarf like so if i was gonna start because i'm gonna i'm gonna knit i'm gonna watch videos i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna take some advice from you on that but in the end i am gonna knit something so is a scarf kind of uh, of some indeterminate length of course <laughs> but is a scarf something that's good for a, a, a beginner to start on something that's just long and rectangular in in that way is that something that's a good way to start? Yeah, something, something simple. Okay. You know, or a coaster or a washcloth. Oh. Washcloths are good. Okay. Because you can do something that's just, you know, six inches square and it's useful right away. And that's, I mean, like, that's what I taught my kids. Okay. That's, is I, to start with washcloths because you want to give them something that has comparatively quick gratification. I understand that. Yeah. You have, you have a finished product quicker. Then it, yeah, I yeah, it helps with um, with uh, retention. I would assume. Now, is is color of of yarn or or is that important? Like I I've, I have Not heard this that it's harder to knit something in a in a dark color. Um, just for like it just some... depends on the lighting in your room. Okay, <laughs> okay. See, I like that. Like, it's it's only hard if you make it hard. That's 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 good. I like that. I literally knit in the dark now. <laughs> it's like, just so rote. I, huh? I don't I don't look at what I'm doing. Yeah. I've been known to fall asleep and continue knitting. No way. I love that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> now it's just automatic, huh? Gosh, that's great. Mm -hmm. So, so casting on—that's that would be the term for for just starting the actual process of the the yarn going onto one of the needles. I assume, right? Right. Okay, mm -hmm. and then, and then after that, you said it's casting off is the is 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 the finishing touch, basically, correct? To get it actually off right. and done. Mm -hmm. So you you're talking about needles. Uh, is there a better type? Because I've seen them in wood. I've seen that you were you said you said aluminum. Um, it, it, is that something that you would I recommend? I mean, aluminum was the. A lot of it depends on the person. Um, for me, I have a, a, a few metal sensitivities. Okay. Like for my rings, I can only wear sterling silver. Uh huh. But my my daughter is the same and, way. Yeah, I totally understand. Yeah, of course. Know, so if I keep knitting with aluminum needles, eventually the enzymes from my hands start to wear away at the needle, at least at the finish mm -hmm. of the needle. Um, and I just don't like, I don't like the clacking noise. So do you use wood or do you use plastics? I use wood. Okay. And so here's the thing, here's a dangerous thing about any hobby at all. Hmm. That the more, the deeper you get into it, the more of a snob you become. Of course. Oh, I a hundred percent understand. <laughs> yes, of course. Yes. <laughs> so I started off with 
you know, 100% acrylic yarn, which is basically plastic. Okay. And cheap aluminum needles. And that's totally appropriate as a way to start. Like, don't put a whole lot of money into it up front. And in fact, I would argue that as a beginner, mm-hmm. if you want to find out if you're interested in knitting, don't buy needles. What would you buy? Or use. You can either use chopsticks yes, or pencils. Of course. Yes, that makes total sense. You know, or you can do something called finger knitting, which is difficult to describe. I'm showing you. You can't see. <laughs> I would assume <laughs> it's with, you. I'm assuming it's with your fingers instead of a instead Yeah, of it's that. it's on your hand and in in the in a sit down of an afternoon, if you give yourself several hours, you can make a scarf. And it's super loose weave. You know, buy thick yarn mm-hmm. and and just one ball of, of like the really, if you go to the store, like the thickest, cheapest yarn you can find and in a color that you like, just go with that. Oh, I, I, we, I live in an abundance of yarn because of uh, my wife and my daughter's crocheting. So I, I have yarn in abundance at this point. And there you go. Some, for some reason, we have two wooden knitting needles. Uh, and that someone had must have gifted to my my kids at some point. Uh, who know? You know, you're a parent. You understand it. At some point, someone just gifted things to your kids. <laughs> you don't know where. You don't know. Who, you don't know who it was. What what aunt, uncle, cousin, something like that. So I actually have the the actual. Uh, I, I can start with those type of things. So I don't actually even have to purchase, uh, which is really nice. I really like that. So so now you as a as a quote unquote professional. Um, what would you, what do you use now then? So you said you don't use acrylic yarn. What do you, what do you use now? I use acrylic yarn only if I'm knitting for a baby. Okay. Uh, especially if it is a baby in a house of people who don't knit. Interesting. Okay. Um, because, <laughs> uh, you know, acrylic, you can just throw in the washing machine. Okay. And if, you know, they basically can't screw it up. They can't shrink it. They can't. You know, if they spill something on it, it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. It's not a huge outlay of costs, that kind of thing. Interesting. Okay, that makes sense. Yes. So, so it's very much dependent on the person. I, I prefer when I can to use natural fibers. I don't have any fiber allergies, so it's really just I don't like novelty yarns. What would a no- so what the would fuzzy that be? Stuff. That, yeah, the stuff that's fuzzy. This stuff that's got sequins in it. The stuff that looks like a muppet threw up on your bed, like that. So and so, when you're saying natural fibers, you're gonna say is that gonna be include like cotton and different types of wool? Is that what it's gonna be? Is that yeah. What, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so and and those those you just use whatever is best for the project you're doing. Mm-hmm. Do you find inequality um, at the end of it? The natural fibers would make a better uh, a, a, a better product at the end of it, or is it just a preference? I would. It, it's it's in the way of if you go and buy a sweater that is made out of wool versus out of polyester (laughs) you're gonna laugh at me i live in southern california i don't even own i don't own a sweater Uh, (laughs) i don't own a sweater i know it's it's, Uh, yeah that's so funny i i I have a light i never learned i I have a light i know i never learned how to read i never yeah it's uh it's tough (laughs) no i have a i have a light sweatshirt that i wear on slightly slightly days that go below 60 so (laughs) this doesn't happen very often so i mean Okay, so then a com- a, the com- the comparison might be uh, like baseball. They have like plastic baseball, effectively plastic baseball mitts or leather. Oh, of course, yes, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, that's right? yeah. The leather is gonna feel so much 
better. Either one does its thing, but the leather... And the thing is, like, as a knitter, like, the natural fibers cost more. They do. And so your your budget should figure that. I've become a yarn snob, so I can't help it. But I, I, am absolutely, I absolutely gravitate toward natural fibers when I can because it feels better on my hands as I'm doing the knitting. Oh, uh, of course. And then you as someone who's who's done it a, a lot, you're, 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 your hands are to just feel the difference. I totally understand. This is an interesting, we have a, a skein of alpaca yarn that we, mm-hmm. yeah, in our in our county, there's uh, quite a few alpaca farms, and it does feel very nice. Um, I don't think I'll be mm-hmm. the one to be using that. <laughs> so no, don't, yeah, don't, don't, don't do that. Yeah, not going to. <laughs> if it's like it's like defacing the Mona Lisa, it's or or something with with my skills. Uh, but I do understand that. So, what was the name of the 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 show that you were talking about? Is it, you said her name? I I didn't quite catch it right off the Vic, bat. Her name is Vicky Howell. I mean, it's certainly not on TV anymore. Mm-hmm. She's got a couple of books out and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there are so many now on YouTube. You can just go and do an easy search okay. on how to how to how to knit. And there's, a, I don't know, approximately a billion. <laughs> I mean, YouTube is such an amazing source for, for any type of DIY. I've learned so much from different people. Uh, and so I, I like to know that that's out there too. Have you passed this on to uh, any of your kids at all? Or, or have mm-hmm. they taken up an interest in it at all? Or is it just a solo I have, project? I have four children, mm-hmm. which is too many. Don't do that. Um, but <laughs> so of the four of them, I have so far taught three mm-hmm. and my, my youngest, so my, my kids are 19, 15, nine and seven. Oh, you're a professional then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm something, um, <laughs> but the, my, my seven year old, I have not taught how yet. Uh, she's, she is adopted and has some social and developmental delays such that she has a hard time understanding like I want to learn how to knit does not mean I will know how to knit by the end of today. Mm, of course, that's very understandable. Yes. So I'm waiting until she gets a little bit older, unless she asks again. Like she asked when she was five and six because she saw her brothers knitting and she wanted to try. That's it. so sweet. Of course, yeah, that's so sweet. What I then, I taught her. We have um, a, a pot holder knitting a loom. Mm-hmm. Not, not knitting, but just a, 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 a pot holder loom. And so I taught her how to do that instead. So she was doing, you know, she, she was making a thing. It just wasn't knitting. Those small looms are a blast. My oldest does those with beads, the beading loom with the, the different strings. Mm-hmm. Those things are amazing. It's mesmerizing to watch too. So yeah, but I mean, my, my oldest has not picked up, like she, she learned, mm-hmm. she was not interested. And like, and the boys sort of come and go on it. And and I, like when I started my podcast, I stopped knitting altogether for a solid year because I was just into this new project. Of course, yeah, it's really consuming. I understand. Yeah, it is, and and you know, and I have so there's a there's a website called Ravelry, and I will give the disclaimer that I am aware that Ravelry has a degree of politicizing uh, uh, polarization right now, and I'm gonna go with I don't care. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah. 
what what is Ravelry? I don't I, what you what what is it? It is an enormous database of like I said, every kind of yarn you can think of, every kind of needle you can think of. Uh, different techniques. It is every kind of pattern that you can, I mean, like I can, man, if I decide I'm going to go find a pattern for a pair of socks, like send me a flare and some food in three days <laughs> because <laughs> you just get lost in the rabbit hole, you know? So I mean, they're keeping together something that is, it could be a lost art basically at some point. Um, you know, if, if people, in many ways, yeah. So that's just that's I'm I'm on I'm on Ravelry. Um, was quite involved. I was never involved in the message boards mm-hmm. aspect of it. It just wasn't my thing at the time. I, I joined Ravelry within a couple of months of it forming because I knew Jess and Cassidy, and so I wanted to show my support that way. And then I just went right into like I I, I always stayed with the crafting, and I and I started designing my own knitwear and. And projects and that kind of thing. Oh, I would love for you to send me some some photos of that if you, if you wouldn't mind, so I can post that. That would be that would be fantastic. Yeah, well, I can I can yeah I can send you the the link to my Ravelry page. Oh, I would love yeah I would I I'll think, if you would allow me to I'd love probably. to I would love to include that uh, in the show notes uh, if you wouldn't mind I would sure. love that yeah that's great Sh- sure but so so that was like I was all in for a long time and then when I started the podcast it was like all of that just sort of stopped. Because I was into this new hobby now, and in podcasting is so consuming. Mm-hmm. And after maybe a year and change, I first of all I started to miss the knitting, and also, you know how you start to self-critique with the podcasting, and you start to of realize, course. like, you know, I could do this better, I could do that, whatever. And one of the the criticisms that especially women get is that my voice gets shrill, I'm talking too fast, that kind of feedback. And my the reason that I started teaching my kids is initially is that my daughter has ADHD and I wanted to teach her knitting because knitting all of the fiber arts, any of them, have been proven to help some people manage the symptoms of ADHD and anxiety. Can I just say that I love the words fiber arts? Uh, every time you're saying it, I, just, I, just, I absolutely love that term. I've never heard it before, and I'm only going to use that from now on. I absolutely love that term already. I'm learning something new. It's great. I love it. And it and it works. You know, it works that way because it's sort of the umbrella, right? For, mm-hmm. for of things. course. And and so I I I taught my daughter. She didn't hold interest in it my sons are not all that huge into it themselves but they were willing to humor me and learn so now they can say they know how at least so good enough who but, knows it'll come so back I, I, it could come back later too like exactly exactly yeah exactly so i i decided that and i mean if nothing else my kids understand what it takes so they've gotten a lot less casual about like hey can i have a hat tomorrow because the answer is no <laughs> yeah that makes absolute sense hey i need a new hat can you hey mom hey mom get on that real quick oh that's that's i don't mean okay like legitimately <laughs> If the yarn is thick enough, I can make a hat overnight, but I'm not going to be happy about it. All right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is so, great you know, momming. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's uh, fantastic. <laughs> so now they know. Like, they know it's a thing. But so, 
I never used to, you know, like I said, I'm a, I'm a clinical psychologist. I used to run a learning disabilities ADHD clinic. Mm-hmm. And so I know a fair amount about the different ways, you know, that we would suggest to people, hey, try this, try that, right? And uh, 2016, I developed epilepsy myself, which the lesion for that, which lesion just meaning the scar that's on my brain mm-hmm. from the epilepsy is exactly in my right frontal lobe, which is exactly where executive functioning lives in executive function you know adhd is an, another way you could consider it is like executive functioning disorder okay it's it's the inability to, to direct your focus right so people with adhd pay attention to everything or only one thing okay yes and nothing yeah. in the middle like that's how we roll so i developed adhd oh boy this is fun um especially because i can't take adhd meds because they cause seizures, which is what... Something you can't do, ...caused the ADHD yeah. Oh, yeah. in the first place. So this is a fun little cycle I'm in, like, loving it. Mm, great. But so I wanted to be able to... Like, I was listening to myself on my show, and I'm like, I'm wound up. I can hear that I'm wound up. I, I just get excited. I get into the conversation mm-hmm. how can i slow myself down you know I, I when i can't take a medication that would help me focus more and i don't need to be sedated i just want to slow down some and i was like oh i should start knitting again and i found that if i do i have a lot more control over my voice and my my pace and I'm able to stay in the moment wow. a lot better instead wow. of going off onto some new topic. So, so knitting in, in is, is 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 almost a lifeline for you at this point. With in terms of like your creative output, that's that is that is incredible. Wow, gosh, that's that, that's so profound, Kate. That's and so so like right now you're knitting right now, and that's and you you, you find that that's a that's a helpful technique for you. That's that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I find I mean, and it happens several times, pretty much every time I talk to somebody that at some point in the conversation, I'll get excited. Mm -hmm. I'll get into it, Mm -hmm. you know, just because I love what I'm doing. I love talking to people. I love collecting their stories. And without even knowing I'm doing it, I set the knitting down and I'll realize it because I'm talking with my hands. And eventually I'll clue in and I'll be like, oh, right, 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 right. And I'll reach over and I'll pick up the knitting again. And immediately I slow back down. So it like grind, it grounds me. Mm-hmm. And that like having, the, so ADHD is, is tied in heavily to a lot of like tactile stimulation. Um, people with ADHD are more prone to having something called synesthesia, mm-hmm. which yes. I also have. Which no, is, really? You know, when your senses get scrambled? Uh-huh. Yes, yeah. It's, it's it's a very interesting subject. I, I've never met anyone that has synesthesia, though. That's so, My daughter and I both do, yeah. Wow, so may I ask, like, when... Because I, I just read an article about synesthesia. What gets mixed up, if, if I might ask, if that's not too forward? No, that's fine. I don't mm. have any boundaries. <laughs> it's fine. Um... Music has certain colors. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's what I was reading about. Okay, so music has certain colors. So I can't listen, I can't listen to music that doesn't match. And what's interesting is people often assume that that means like within a genre. Mm -hmm. But, so I have Spotify, right? Mm -hmm. And I have, I don't know, 7,000 playlists on Spotify, (laughs) give or take. And one of my favorite playlists 
is all in three, four, or six, eight time signature. Anyway, so waltzes sound nice to you then. Is is that? Well, there you know, but it's there's songs from Metallica on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh, of course. I'm I just no, that's always. And what there it, yeah. are songs, you know. Yeah, but that's what a waltz exactly that that sort of that sort of pacing, and they all have the same basic color sort of to them. So they all go together, even though they are from totally different genres. Wow. Totally different styles. Totally different tempos. Whoa. That's that's incredible. I had I was just yesterday at a museum with friends of mine. Um, like I said, I live in Salem, Massachusetts, and we were at a museum. And because it's you know New England, the the wallpaper is old, and it's like the velvety wallpaper, you know. And I walked in and just brushed up against it and like recoiled. There are some I never used to have a problem with a lot of things. Like like now eye contact tends to get very intense for me very quickly and okay. certain sensations bother me a lot and I mean I can do it it just uh, it's intense for me and the the sensation of velvet wallpaper bothers me it just it's unpleasant like a like a recoil mm. you know, wow you know? oh, that's, and yeah. it, it's not just me touching it but my friend touched it and I had to stop watching him touch the wall. Oh, wow. Because Is that, he would touch that effective, it. huh? I could see him touching it, and my fingertips would tingle. Yes, yeah, so, like a, almost a phantom pain. And so, or a, kind of. Yeah. It's or, just a, you know, but like the, so the visual input is coming through to my brain as tactile sensation. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I could do an entire podcast just on this alone, Kate. Totally good. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to have to have you on again. Absolutely. Well, wow. You but me... So have anyway. So yeah. with, the, with the ADHDs that, you know, in, in with the synesthesia, having a tactile hobby mm-hmm. helps slow me down. It helps me feel more grounded. Okay. Yeah, of course. It makes and total it, sense. It yeah. calms me down. It's, it's comparable to like the fidget toys and fidget spinners that uh-huh. kids have, that kind of thing. It's just quieter. Of course. And at the end of the day, I have a blanket. I mean, it's it's absolutely more productive. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible, Kate. Uh, I didn't think about the the helpfulness of that as well. I didn't. I couldn't think. So, w- w- do you th- is that have you found that helpful in other people with it? my my mom and my brother both uh, have ADHD too as well, and they are are they have their own things that they use to help them focus, but. If, if, do you think this would help with somebody else as well, or do you think this is a an isolated incident for you uh, of helpfulness? I mean, we we often when I was running the ADHD clinic, we would often suggest to people pick up a tactile craft. Mm-hmm. So, you know, knitting, crocheting, embroidery, any sort of fiber arts, mosaic, mm-hmm. um, wire wrapped jewelry, like. Uh, it doesn't almost doesn't matter what it's just the idea of using your hands so that you're functioning in the 3d space okay in the world helps bring your brain in a little bit because the base you know it, it like i said that the problem with the adhd brain is that you can't direct your focus and so often okay. if you give them something else to do like with their hands mm-hmm. and then talk to them 
they do both things more effectively. Yes, uh, that that's been that's been my uh, experience with my with my mom and my brother too. If they're if they're busy, do, my brother does woodworking is what he focuses on. My mom does a lot of things with. Um, she has a, an antique store that she runs, and and so I it's the best times that I talk with her is when she's. Uh, usually restoring something, um, painting, or, or something like that. Wow. Okay, you give me a ton to think about. This this show took a very interesting and wonderful turn. Uh, I <laughs> I'm really appreciative of that. I would love to have you on again to talk about, uh, or or if you wanted to have me on your show to talk about this too. I would love to continue the conversation. This is amazing. Um, sure. So I would I would love it if I was able to put your your uh, your designs in the show notes so people could could look at that because I I would like to see them as well, and then I'll I'll look up some YouTube videos as well. Do you have anyone to recommend or just uh, just a basic search would that turn up something for me on YouTube? Yeah, I mean I it's been such a long time since I've gone looking. You haven't you videos. haven't needed anything. Yeah, you, you're you've been doing this on for so long. You don't you could probably do YouTube videos at this point. Have you done any YouTube videos? For your no oh okay. no although there's there's talk of between myself and several other podcasters I know who also knit or crochet or do similar fiber arts to start like a craft circle. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we may eventually. Absolutely, I mean that's an incredible idea. I think that's a that's a great idea. Oh, I would I would pay attention to that. Okay, so this episode may be coming to an end, but the work is just beginning. Kate has given us the pattern for becoming a knitting fan. And for the response edition of this episode, I'll be spending the week taking as much of Kate's advice as I can fit into that week. And then I'll report back to you in the response episode. Now, in the meantime, I hope you'll try her advice. Or if you can add to the conversation uh, with your own expertise, you can contact uh, me as well. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at like2likethings. That's like the number two, like2likethings. You can also uh, leave a message on the like line at 661-279-0130. Or you can contact me via email at I like to like things podcast at gmail.com. And I'll read or play any messages on the response episode too. If they're positive. Now this is a time that we like to talk about the uh, about toxic fandom. If you are a fan of knitting or crocheting or anything, Kate was on here spreading the good word of knitting and among uh, other things in their expertise. That, uh, so I do not want to ever hear anybody talk negatively about her or her projects or anything like that. You know, it's all about positivity here. Uh, now, if you have someone uh, that you would think would be great to be on the show, please contact me using those same channels. You can also support the show via Patreon at patreon.com slash I like to like things where you can join people like Mandy, Gerald, Paul, the Galindo, and Morgan. Uh, so, Kate, if people want to find you, where can they find you? Um, I have two podcasts right now, actually. My main one is, my initial one is called Ignorance Was Bliss. Mm -hmm. And that is at iwbpodcast.com or iwbpodcast on all of the social medias and Facebooks. And my Facebook group is amazing. Uh, my show is not safe for work and it deals <laughs> with adult topics. So I just kind of want that disclaimer out there. Like, I mean, it's about, it, it my, my show is about collecting people's stories mm -hmm. of mental illness and violence and sex and what, you know, people's lived experiences. So, I mean, my children listen to at least some of it. I mean, 
to the extent that they listen to me at all, you know. <laughs> but I think that's good just, to know, though. That disclaimer out there. That's that's great to know. Yeah, uh, I, we've had many, almost all of my podcasters I have on here do not have safe work podcasts, <laughs> so we'd like yeah, to give that disclaimer no. too. <laughs> and then I have a second show that is called Life World, all one word, and that is where myself and my co-host Derek talk about cybercrime, basically crimes that either you know are, are property crime or financial crime or crimes wherein the person uses the internet as a key weapon basically in order to cause harm wow you get deep kate i just want to thank you so much for coming onto the show i really appreciate you sharing your stories with me um i can't wait to release this episode i think people can really benefit from it so but thank you so much for coming on the show i really appreciate it thank you it was fun yeah and i will see you all next week when the mission is accomplished and remember, we can make the world a little brighter, a little friendlier, and a little more enjoyable by liking a few more things. 